Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Well, it's great to have a few minutes together today, and there's so much going on around uh, the world and around our country that's a mess that it would be easy to um, let the, the negative of the world discourage you. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting here looking right now at a missionary prayer card. And um, this man was reached by another missionary that our church supports. So, and um, some of these missionaries shouldn't be made public because of their where they serve, but I've got pictures of the husband, wife, the kids. So a missionary that we support reached this man and he and his wife have, have really built quite an amazing ministry. God's used them to do some very special things. But the thing that I wanted to mention in a, you know, in a world that would sometimes uh, get you to think there's nothing good and nothing good happening or whatever, and it really is, the, the gospel ministry is a great ministry. There's so much good going on. But what I'm looking at is five prayer cards that I have. And these aren't people who are supported by our church. These are people I've picked up their prayer cards. And these are five families all serving. And what's neat about them is they were all reached by the second man I mentioned a few minutes ago. So the guy our church was supporting, he reaches this man and he is working in Southeast Asia uh, as a church planter and a missionary. And our church is also supporting him. And I got talking to him and I said, hey, um, tell me about some of the people you support and could I do something for them? Well, he's prepared. So he pulls out five missionary prayer cards and these five couples, all of them in Southeast Asia, he has um, at least 10 different pastors that he has won to Christ and trained. And these men and their families are now pastoring churches in various uh, areas in, in the country. He's in there in Southeast Asia. And I just, I just love that. I love what God is doing. And then right next to them is a prayer card for the Peterson family um, who um, Tim was born in our church, Pastor Peterson, born in, um, in our church and um, went to our Christian school and um, loved it, still does love it and uh, very happy about his background. Then he went to an independent Baptist Bible college and got trained there and um, met his wife, married her, and now starting a church about an hour or so drive north of us in a town called Rialto. And the people working with him, um, several of them are people that grew up in our church, in our youth department, and they're helping him. They're not a paid staff or anything. They just go up on weekends and help with soul winning or they help with um, um, the services on Sunday. And um, they're just good young people who grew up here in our church. And uh, they love our church, love what God did for them here. And, uh, and I love what's going on 
around the country and around the world because God wins. I've read the end of the book, God wins. And these dear people in very difficult spots in Southeast Asia, they are, you know, I just think of that verse, great is your reward in heaven. What a privilege that we get to be a little part of these lives as these people around the world are starting churches and going into the difficult, I think of the one missionary, we a native pastor that we support in Afghanistan and what a ministry. And, and um, some of our friends have gone and spent time with him. They've seen his work. They've seen the ministry and, and it's, it's the real deal. It's, um, he is doing an amazing job of starting churches and Bible college to train young men and young ladies to go work in these churches. It's a great, it's a great privilege that God would let us be a part of the ministry. Well, today I want to take just a moment and talk about the Word of God. And um, you, you notice maybe the, the um, I don't always, always know how these things show up online, but I think the title would show up, It's Alive. And it's interesting to me how God chooses to word things. If you look at Hebrews 4.12, very familiar to most Christians, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, how about that? This book, the Word of God, will discern your thoughts and your intents or your motive. What is it motivates your behavior? And that's pretty amazing that a book will discern your thoughts and intentions, but it gets even more pointed in verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now we've got a, uh, what do you call that, a, a masculine pronoun? Um, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of of him with whom we have to do. Now we've got eyes and we've got a him that everything is manifest in his sight and things are all open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And this is obviously talking about the Bible. Uh, there's no way you can use in grammar and not have the his in verse 13, not go back to the word of God being the subject back in verse 12. This Bible, it's not just ink and paper. Um, it's not, and again, I know the, the, uh, the Bible I have in my hand, it can be lost, it can be torn up, it can be burned, and, and the, the Word of God is eternal, but there's something supernatural. There's something spectacular. There's something, this is not just another book, and God puts personality. He puts gender. Oh boy, that'll cause grief here. Uh, so verse 13, neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight. We got a male, uh, a male comment there and not a female. And, and uh, well, these girls have got to be on the football field interviewing the football players or commentating on the football. And, and um, I just I just think there's I don't I don't feel comfortable with that. Obviously, everybody's got a right to do what they want to do. I have a right to think what I think. And I don't think that's the right spot, but it's not my call. Um, but 
it's, a, it's his when you're talking about the word of God. It's male. It's a masculine slant, the eyes of him. It's a living book. And that's the point I'm making here. Um, if you want to go back in your Bible to Galatians chapter 3, and it's an interesting statement here in the book of Galatians as we consider this, the Bible. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, um, Let's see. Uh, Know ye, therefore, that they which are of faith, uh, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, so now our subject this morning is the scripture being alive, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So we've got here the scripture foreseeing. So back in Hebrews 4, we've got the word of God that's quick and powerful, and it discerns the intents, the thoughts, and intents the heart. Then in verse 13 of Hebrews 4, we've got, uh, neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and open in the eyes, unto the eyes of him, him with whom we have to do. And so there's a, it's a personification. It's, a, it's a, a, like a person, and it is a him. Then in Galatians 3, 7, the script, or verse 8, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Now, you could hear maybe a prophet would foresee and maybe a mystic or a palm reader would foresee or foretell or whatever. Um, but this, the scripture foresees that God would justify the heathen through faith. Now, Moses is the one that wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible, and um, that was around 1500 BC, and I'm just throwing out very, very rough numbers. Um, but Abraham was long before that, maybe 500 to 1,000 years before Moses. And so when Galatians 3, 8 says the scriptures foreseeing, and it's a conversation about Abraham, there were no scriptures written yet. The Bible that Moses put down on paper, it would be hundreds of years before Moses was born. And so what we have in Galatians 3, 7 is that, that uh, I mean, I'm, who is it that told um, um, Abraham and, and that he would have this promised seed in, the, in, Abra in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1? Um, he said, in your seed will all the world be blessed. I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Well, who was talking to Abraham? Well, God was talking to Abraham. And so while God did the talking in Genesis 12 and in a couple other passages that this could allude to, Paul calls it, says the scripture, for seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached. The scripture preached in verse 8. The scripture preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Uh, saying, in these shall nations be blessed. Well, God's the one who said it, but here it says the scripture preached. So we've got God and this Bible really, really close together. Now, if you want to go back to the book of Romans, and um, most of you probably, is nothing spectacular, but just the grammar that God uses is, and the words, the, the vocabulary. Um, in Romans chapter 9, verse 17, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, 
Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Well, the scriptures, Moses was there in Pharaoh's day, but Moses hadn't written the scriptures yet. So again, who was it that talked to Moses and who was it that talked to Pharaoh? It was either God spoke to Moses and Moses spoke to Pharaoh or God spoke straight to Pharaoh. But in either case, when he says in verse 17, the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, that was God. That was God who said these things. And there's so much we've got to, we've, we've just, I'm not even going to try and understand or explain it all. I'm just going to tell you that book in your hands is wonderful. It's a spectacular book. It's a glorious book. It's not just a bunch of words. And I'm sure not going to listen to any reverend or professor sit around and analyze this book like it's the writing of Tolstoy or, or of Shakespeare. No, this book is supernatural. This book is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the professor's hearts. And one of the things that got me into Um, the Bible college I went to was because I had a professor, um, a teacher, correcting the Bible every day in class. And they'd say this word should be, and this would have been better translated this way and that way. And I thought, I'm not, but if I have my Bible in front of me and you in front of me, I'm taking my Bible. I'm not going to trust you. What nonsense is that? Now, the key of this thing of understanding the scriptures goes along with that statement I just made. If you want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and down at verse 13. It says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So this book is not men's words. I heard people in that first Bible college I went to, well, this was obviously the writings of Paul because he was more educated. And this is the writings of Peter because he was less educated. Well, let me explain something. The words in my Bible are not the words of men. They're the word of God. And God may have put a rougher vocabulary in Peter's mouth or in Peter's pen. And God may have put a more educated vocabulary in the heart, mind, or fingers and pen of Paul, but those aren't the words of men. They're the words of God. But that's not where we're going. Where we're going is 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the last phrase. It says of the word of God, which worketh, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, here's a point. I was in that Bible college classroom listening to that teacher who was so impressed with his education and his background, and I was not impressed in the least. I was impressed with the book in my lap. And I decided to believe my Bible was true. And see, when you decide to believe the Bible, now the Bible begins to work effectually. It begins to have an effect in your life. The Word of God, in the last part of 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. If you're a doubter and a scorner, no wonder the Bible didn't help you because God's not going to let you understand. He won't let you learn. He will keep you ignorant. But if, oh, if you put your faith in this book, if you'll say, I'm going to believe it, God, I may not understand it all, but I'm going to believe it. And God says, oh, now, now we've got somebody we can work with. We can do something with this guy. And God will begin to work effectually in you with his Bible. You know, over in 1 Corinthians, it talks about Um, the word 
of God as we, we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. And um, the, the word of God is this spectacular thing that it'll change us. It will transform us. It will transfigure us. And as we would, as we would yield our lives to the Word of God, as we'd meditate on the Word of God, as we would think on the Word of God, what will happen is the Word of God now has the open invitation to work on us. And that's what we want. I want God working in my life. Um, 2 Corinthians 3 is that verse I was just looking at. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when we, when we look into the Word of God, when we see it, when we read it, when we believe it and put our faith in it, what happens is the Word of God begins to work on us and it begins to conform us to the very image of Christ. And that is the greatest blessing that could happen to any of us, that God would work in us and help us be Christ-like, and God will use his word to do that very thing. So I want to encourage you today, believe it. Uh, believe it. Just believe it and trust it and read it and think on it and uh, let it comfort you, let it encourage you, let it instruct you, let it rebuke you. Uh, this is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And uh, he, the word of God, looks into your heart and he, it knows what's going on. And oh, there's a bunch of folks who think I'm a crazy for saying these things, but I'm just reading the Bible. And that's simple as that. We're just reading the Bible and believing it just like it is. I hope you remember two simple thoughts, two simple words. It's alive. It's a living book. And let's love it.